Thank you, Pastor Billy, for leading us in worship. And thank you to the Centerpoint body and, and all those that have joined us. I'm glad you're here with us today. And I know this is not what we normally do, but um, these are not normal circumstances. And I'm actually pretty excited for today. Um, we've been doing several of these live stream events, and it's been amazing to me just to see some people that, that have either moved away or whatever, and, and we haven't really got a chance to really talk. And so, I, although we're not sitting down face-to-face right now, I do feel like in some ways um, we're together again. And so that, that, is, a, that is a real joy. And I, I just want you to know, Centerpoint family, um, I miss seeing you. And I, and I speak on behalf of everybody else that's logging in here. Um, so many people are commenting that they miss the body. They miss being together. And, and I miss it greatly. And I look forward to being together and worshiping together as a, as a family soon. I want to thank you all for the way you've been supporting and standing with our church. Um, it, I've been blown away, really, by your faithful giving online. And um, you know that that we, we do have needs as a church body. We, we've made some steps by faith over the last few months, and it's been a joy to me to see how you have, have stood faithful to the Lord and His work. And um, I just what I want to do now is we're going to open up God's Word together. It's, it's not a normal Sunday morning, um, so, so things aren't going to be exactly the same, but we're still going to point to Jesus Christ in His Word. So what I want to do now is I want to pray for us as a body. And our God is so great and so good that he can hear us, hear our prayer, um, wherever we are right now, whatever day it is, whatever time it is, whatever's going on in your life today. Your heavenly father loves you. He longs to hear from you. He takes things like this crisis that we're in, and uses it to draw us closer to Him. And so I want to pray that God would do that in our lives, even in the next few moments. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we do come before You. We thank You for Your grace. We thank You for the reality of our faith, that we know that those of us who are in God, who are in Christ, have access to You in this time of struggle and crisis. This is not new for your body. This is not new for believers. Since the beginning of time, people have encountered turmoil and struggle, and they've looked to you. People have encountered blessing and and times of of happiness and, and just overwhelming joy, and they've looked to you because we are made for relationship with you. And so we now come before you through this uh, platform of Facebook and, and we now ask for your spirit to have your way in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know how the COVID-19 crisis is affecting you. Um, I've interacted with a lot of people over the last few weeks and days, and I hear everything from boredom to the struggle of homeschooling. Some of you are encountering that for the first time, and I know how much of a challenge that is. Some people are dealing with loneliness and anxiety or or maybe even there are some now that uh, sickness or even potentially death have come knocking on your door. Um, many people are uncertain. Some are even dealing with fear. And what I want to bring to us today is the comfort that God provides. And I'm sharing this message today primarily with our body of believers, but I know from from seeing the, the views on our Facebook, that there are probably literally hundreds of people who will watch this that aren't part of our normal body of believers. And I welcome you here. I'm glad that you're here. I encourage you to, to be with us in God's word today. The question that I want to deal with today is, how do we love a God that we cannot see? How is this possible? The, the Lord Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we understand loving our neighbor because we can see him or her. But how do we love God even when we can't see him? Now, we know that this is possible. We know that we can love someone that we cannot presently see. 
I have four children. Our third, his name is Daniel. He's at Fort Benning right now. Uh, They're with the United States Army in training. And I can't see him. I can talk to him. I can, I can do some FaceTime interaction, although we don't really do a whole lot of that. But we text. But I don't really see him. Oh, but I love him. And the, the separation actually um, increases that longing to be together and maybe even that feeling of love. And it's been that way with all of my children. We had times of separation. I think back to when I was separated from my wife for a period of time when I was in training in the military. So we understand that it's possible to love someone when we can't see them. But how do we love a God whom we have never seen? How is that possible? Now, as, as we've already mentioned, we're, we're in a time of, of turmoil and, and suffering right now. And, and this is not new. It's not new for the people of God. We won't take time to go back in this passage, but the account of one of the earliest events in history is found in the book of Job. And Job encounters a great deal of, of struggle. He's a wealthy man. He loved his family. He loved God. And, and without warning, um, without any kind of uh, really knowledge that this was coming, Job experienced a great deal of suffering. And I'm not going to take the time to, to, to really delve into that too deeply, but I want to read one verse to you that, that Job wrote at the end of his life. Really, I'll read the account. And this is, this is what he said to God. He said to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. This is in Job 42. So I, Job says, I know that you are God and that you are ruling. And Job said this to God. My ears had heard of you, but now my eye sees you. My eyes have seen you. This is what suffering and turmoil and struggle does. Job went through immeasurable suffering. He went through things that we will never likely experience. And at the end, though he was never given a full insight into why it was happening, at the end, he knew God in a way that he did not before. I trust that God might do that for us today. I'm going to be in the book of 1 Peter today. And if you're new with Centerpoint Bible Church, what we do is we work through sections of Scripture. And we've jumped into the epistle of Peter. Uh, the reason we're doing that is it is a book written to people who are struggling. And, and as we were together last Sunday, I share with you that really in my mind, the, the key verse is verse number three. And Peter writes, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. We talked about that living hope last week. Now, Peter was an apostle of Jesus. He spent about three years um, living with Jesus and, and experiencing the real life Jesus, the, the perfect man, Jesus Christ. Peter was with him through that time. He's writing to Christians um, scattered about, it says, in modern day Turkey. They've, they've been likely sent out. Peter had an influence in their life and they're now scattered about the, the area of Asia Minor there. Um, Peter, from, from chapter 5, verse number 13, he says he's in Babylon. And most of us understand that that is a reference to Rome. So Peter is now very likely in Rome when he writes this. The emperor Nero is ruling and he is about to unleash um, a great persecution of Christians. And Peter will actually um, be, his life will be taken um, by, under the, under the command of Nero. Peter will die in this persecution. But before he passes to be with the Lord, he writes this epistle. It's a great message for those who are in a trial. It's, it's a great message for people who are experiencing an unjust and unexpected suffering. It's, it's a great way for us to experience the life that Jesus has called us to in the midst of struggle. 
is by seeing the personal presence of God as Peter taught us in his epistle. So I've got four things that I want to share with you today, four ways or, or four methods or, or four kind of steps where you can love a God you cannot see. Love God whom you cannot see. I'm going to read at verses 8 and read through the end of this section and follow along with me in your Bible or, or just listen. And here's what it says. Peter writes, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Speaking of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. I see four ways that that we can experience a love for God, even though we cannot see him. And I want to talk through these briefly. The first one is found in, in verse number eight. And here Peter writes of from firsthand experience. And, and I hope that you are experiencing this now. And let it be, let it be an evidence of God's grace in your life. It is the experience of joy. The experience of joy. Peter writes, though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Peter is writing to people who are suffering, who are not suffering the challenges of being stuck in their home, not suffering the the idea of being sheltered in place. No, they're giving up their lives. Loved ones are dying in the name of Jesus. But it's he writes that they have joy. Listen, that is, that is a gift of God. That we can have joy in the midst of suffering. That we can have peace in the midst of suffering. That we can have inexpressible and glorious joy in the midst of suffering. This is an evidence of, of God's work in your life. You and I cannot manufacture this. The whole thing about, you know, what is it? Don't worry, be happy. That might sound well and fine. But have a loved one taken away. Have, really, surrender your own life in the name of Jesus. Have the COVID-19 disease come knocking on your door. And how is, don't worry, be happy, going to play out then? The only way, the only way that we can have joy in the face of suffering is the presence of God's grace in our life. And as you experience that joy, that unsettled joy, that that unexplainable joy, that inexhaustible joy, it will increase your love for God because He's there with you. His presence is there. And though you may be alone, I've spoken to some of you over the last couple of weeks on the phone and, and you're literally alone. Some of the people in our church who are older and, and maybe you live alone and, and you're lonely. Listen, God is with you. And your experience of joy and peace is, is first of all an indication of God's grace. But secondly, it's a way for you to love God. God in a greater way with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. Peter 
saw the Lord Jesus. So he speaks of these people who never saw Jesus. Peter saw him. So he is assured, Peter is, by his past, that he saw the Lord Jesus. He was with the Lord Jesus. He speaks of this in 2 Peter. Let me just turn over to it and read it to you. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 16, listen what Peter wrote. He wrote, We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my Son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Peter says, We ourselves heard this voice. I believe Peter is speaking of the time when Jesus allowed them to see his glory. So Peter had a past experience where he saw the Lord Jesus, where he was with Jesus. And even back to, verse, to chapter number 1, the, the passage that we're studying right now, turn back there, and we're, we're jumping into verse number 8. But notice right at the end of verse number 7, Peter now speaks of the time when Jesus Christ will be revealed. So Peter is assured by his past and by his future that he will one day see Jesus. He was with Jesus and he will one day see Jesus. But he is amazed by us who love him, though we never saw him. Do you love God today? The only way you do is because God first loved you in sending his son. This is the work that God does in a redeemed heart. It's a work of his grace. It's inexpressible. Philippians chapter 4 says our peace is unexplainable. Listen, nothing can stop the love of God. Second thing I want to point out to you. It's right here from this passage. This, This second thing is we're asking the question, how can we love God though we never have seen him? Peter now speaks to a second element of this love that we can have for God. It's in verse number 10. Let me read it for you. It says this, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glory that would follow. The first way that you and I can love a God we have not seen is by our experience of joy. The second one is from the Word of God. Listen, this is God's means of ministering to your heart, is His Word. That's what Peter is writing about when he says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you. The prophets is speaking to the Old Testament prophets who wrote as the Spirit of God inspired them to write. And they wrote down the inspired Word of God. This word inspired literally means God breathed. God breathed it out into the minds of the prophets and they wrote it down. This is the history of the Word of God. This is what Peter is referring to. And so he's talking to people, remember where we are. He's talking to people who have never seen Jesus, but they love him. He doesn't understand. It it, it just blows Peter's mind. And now he's referring to the Word of God as a way that we can feed our love for God. Listen, the, the current moment may be hazy. The future, it, it might be unknown. But God's Word is clear. And blessed is the man who meditates on it day and night. In this time of struggle, in this time of of turmoil, and for some potential loss, maybe one of the greatest losses you can imagine, go to the Word of God. We don't have to fear what comes our way because God will minister to us through His Word. So these prophets, they... They knew what was coming. It said that they, they were searching intently with the greatest care to determine the time and the circumstances 
when this one would come. I want to read to you a, a section of these, this prophecy because I want us now to point to Jesus. That's, that's who we are as a church. We can't help but do this. That's who we are as followers. Listen to one one of those prophets wrote. This is Isaiah 53. Speaking of Jesus, Isaiah writes, 700 years before Jesus was on earth, he writes this. This suffering servant was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. You see, the prophet wrote this, the prophet Isaiah wrote this long before Jesus came to earth. And these words... Fill up the tank of our love for God. Okay, the third thing, the third way, the, the, third, the third means of loving God, even we can't see Him. The first is our experience of joy. The second is the Word of God. And the third we've already kind of shed some light onto, and that's the work of Christ. Peter writes that the, these prophets were writing about this one who would come. He predicted, they, the prophets predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glory that would follow. The prophets knew that Jesus would come and now we know that he came. It speaks of the sufferings of Christ. How do we love God? We look at what Jesus did for us. We look at what Jesus did for us at the cross when he laid down his life for us. I am very moved by, by the seven kind of words that Jesus said from the cross. They, they, they're, they're a teaching of the Gospels that, that regularly kind of encourage my heart. And I want to grab a couple of these to, to point to the sufferings that Jesus took on behalf of us. Jesus said from the cross as he's being crucified, Father, forgive them. What this speaks to is that the very creation that Jesus made would reject him. And abuse him. Jesus from the cross cried out, I thirst, revealing the great torment of the cross that Jesus took for us. Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Speaking to Jesus taking on sin, sin that he never committed, but he took on ours and died in our place. And then at the end, Jesus, in victory over sin, said, it is finished. Listen, if you wonder today, does God love me? If you wonder today, do I have a love for God? Look to the cross. Look to the place where Jesus took our sin and experienced our death. So you and I no longer have to fear death. What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing, Romans 8 says. We don't have to fear death because Jesus died in our place. And we look there to increase the love of God that we understand, which increases our love for him. How do you love a God that you cannot see? You look to the cross of Jesus. And the subsequent glories, ESV says. The, the glory that was to follow, the NIV says, where Jesus rose victorious from the grave and right now reigns at the right hand of the Father, his spirit interceding for us, his spirit interdwelling us indwelling us in relationship with him finally one more thing and i trust that this is you today look what is said here verse number 12 it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you 
when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. The last thing I want to point to to fill up love of God and to fill up love for God is the gospel. The good news. And it's this. That we can be forgiven. That you and I can be forgiven if we look to Christ. The the prophets, Peter is saying that the prophets were looking forward to this gospel that would come to us by the Holy Spirit. That it's so remarkable, it's so mind-blowing that sinful creatures can be forgiven that even angels long to look at it and almost shake their head like, how is this possible? How is it possible that creatures who wronged God can be forgiven? To the angels, this just isn't good news. This is impossible news. They can't fathom this. But we know from the word of God, from the work of Christ, from our experience of joy and forgiveness, that we can be forgiven, that you and I are forgiven, that the work of Christ was adequate, that what he did what brought those who trust him salvation, that our sin is now separated far as the east is from the west. This is the good news, that though we were sinners, Christ died for us. When we were at our worst, he sent the very best, Jesus, to die for us. That God so loved us that he gave his only son so that we who believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. This is the gospel. We are forgiven. And it can, be, it can never be taken away. This is the reason for our hope. This is the reason for our joy. This is the reason for our peace. We're forgiven. It's why we don't fear death. It's why we don't fear COVID-19. It's why we don't fear being isolated. We ha- we've been forgiven. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. This is what God has given us because we've been forgiven. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. You see, folks, we have joy in Christ. Those who are in Christ, we have joy and peace and security. We have joy. Because of the word of God, we see the joy that we've been given. Because of the work of Christ, we can be forgiven. And that's where we rest today. In the gospel of Jesus Christ that brings us forgiveness this is a message of peter the people who were struggling the people who were suffering and i just want to say to to the body of center Point bible church to those who are joining in with us see the love of god today accept the love of god today and rest rest there and the peace, security, and joy that we can have in Jesus. In a moment, we're going to close out our service um, with, with one more song. And um, I'm going to ask Pastor Billy to come and lead us, lead us in just a moment. But before we do that, I, I wanna, I'd like us to close the way that we try to when we're together as a body. Um, what we do when, when we join together as we, as we wrap up our time, we, we quote together uh, the great commandment. I'm sorry, the great commission that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 28. And, and um, I want you to, to quote this along with us as a challenge to us and as a reminder of what God has done and desires to do through us. Now, I do want to remind you that, that after Pastor Billy comes and closes out our, our service, I've asked Pastor Brock to, to come and join us, and we're going to have a discussion um, about this very passage. And I hope you'll stay for that and you'll interact because it is a time for you to, to talk about what we've talked about and to be encouraged by what other people have to say. So let's, let's put Matthew 28 on the screen.
thinking about Pastor Lowe's sermon. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us before we ever lived on this earth. He didn't see us, but he knew us. And he knew enough to know that we needed a savior in himself. Why don't we end today's service with Lamb of God? Creation waits for you and trembles at your name. Surrounded on a throne of endless praise, fire and lightning flash from the glory of your face. And I sing to you, you are holy. Thank you, Pastor Billy, for leading us in worship all over the world wide web. Hey, I want to encourage you to stay with us. God is good. God is great. And we want to talk about that a little more. I've invited Pastor Brock to join us. And so we want to have a discussion now about what, we, what we've been focusing on all morning. And the more you interact, the better it will be. 
And so we're going to take just a few minutes here to take a break and, and get ourselves set up here. And then we'll come back for, for a time where we can really interact with one another about what we've heard. Thank you. Center Point Bible Church, a vision born in the gymnasium of Spring Mills Middle School to reach the Spring Mills community with a vision of pointing others to Jesus. Jesus Christ and His Word, reaching out to the surrounding communities and supporting missions around the world, while at the same time teaching, preaching, and reaching out in an effort to create intimacy with God, community with others, and influence in our world. And now, through the generosity of our partners in Christ and the dedication and support of the membership of the church, Centerpoint prepares to return to the Spring Mills area. To push our ministries to new levels, to plant roots deep in the community, to help build the future of the fastest growing area of the fastest growing county in the state of West Virginia. Join now and invest in that vision. Be part of the building blocks to the creation of a growing, thriving community of believers for generations to come as we prepare to unleash the power of the gospel message to be the epicenter of the Spring Mills community. New location, these new look, same time-tested vision of pointing others and His Word. Centerpoint Bible Church. Well, normally right now, we would be sending you to focus groups, um, but obviously we don't have that ability to do. But we would like to take just a couple of moments and discuss the Word of God with you. And we'd like you to have the opportunity to interact with us. So please feel free to comment during this time. Feel free to interact. Put your thoughts up here. Uh, if we ask some questions, throw an answer out there. Mm -hmm. uh, we wanted to be able to interact with you and for you to be able to interact with one another as we go through this. Um, I normally, they're, not normally, there are oftentimes after the message is done that I will walk up to Pastor Lowell, and I, I hope it doesn't bother him. But not I don't at know all. I look forward not. to it. Um, I'll walk up to Pastor Lowell, and I will ask him a question. I'll make a comment. I'll say something like, man, this part really jumped out at me. There was something about what you were saying here that hit me for kind of the first time. I didn't, I never really took it this way or, or any type of thing like that. And, and we want to give you the opportunity to kind of do that right now. And so we're going to discuss the passage that Pastor Lowell just talked about just for a few minutes and look at a couple of different things from it. So Pastor Lowell, let me ask this. Why 1 Peter 1, 8 through 12? Oh, okay. Why this passage? Well, well, first of all, relative to what you just said, many times we've had that conversation after the service. I'll say to him, I wish we could do this like in front of everybody. So I guess the Lord will prepare us for this moment. So why this passage? Well, honestly, First Peter has been a book that the Lord has just used in my life on so many occasions to comfort me in a time of struggle. And and like I've got written here in my in my Bible, several quotes that other people have said, like, most hope fades with time, but living hope grows stronger and stronger. And so there's, there's several comments over the years that I've written down in this Bible of just encouragement to me in, in times of struggle and trial. And this passage particularly because Peter's, I just love when Peter's saying, you can't see him, but you love him. Yeah. And I think, oh, that's me. I can't see him, but, but I do love the Lord. So that's, I guess that's why. Yeah, yes. Okay. Well, I was thinking about, as, as you were preaching, I was, I was thinking about this idea of your first point of us having joy. Hmm. And uh, I, was, I was trying to kind of wrap my head around, and, and you hit on it a little bit, but if you wouldn't mind, just kind of like difference between like joy and happiness. Yeah, yeah. Well, they certainly are connected, okay? And they, they, ha they look very similar at times, but not always. We can be filled with joy when we are suffering. I mean, he's going to say, you guys are going to suffer. It is God's will for you to suffer. But yet, they're going to have joy. So this joy is a confident hope that God has something greater, and I'm going to trust him no matter what. 
where happy is very, I mean, obviously it's from, you know, we have the word happenstance, yeah. you know, it's, it's very driven by what I'm experiencing at this moment. Okay. So that comes to my mind. I mean, what, yeah. what, how do you sort of delineate between the two? Well, one of the things that I really, that really jumped out at me as you were speaking here and as Peter is writing is it seems like Peter is basically taking what these believers should already know about God and he's reminding them of those things and suggesting that those things should lead them to rejoice, mm. lead them to the idea of having joy. Um, I, I was just thinking that a lot of times what ends up happening, especially in difficult situations, which is often the times where we're, we're told to rejoice, uh, rarely is it, listen, your circumstances are really good. I know you're happy. Rejoice. Like <laughs> yeah, right. we, we know that that's the case. That's a kind of an automatic response for us in that it's difficult situations that point us to the concept of, I need you to rejoice. Hmm. So it requires me to have a, a already determined knowledge about God. So, so when I, if I'm commanded to rejoice, how is it not just put on? How is it not something I'm faking? You know what I mean? Like painting on a smile, fake it till you make it, that kind yeah. of thing. Well, I, I think there's, it, honestly, I think sometimes people do, mm -hmm. but I think it's the idea that I, I truly understand things about God. And when I truly understand things about God, the joy will fill me because I can rest on those things. Mm. I, I was thinking about, um, and, and I encourage you, like, tell us, what are some things that you know about God that, that cause you to have joy? Like, things that you know that maybe you're not feeling immediately in your circumstances, maybe not necessarily things that are uh, directly heavy and feeling in your heart right now, but you know this stuff is true about God. So these and, things are true regardless of what's happening to you. Exactly. I was thinking about, um, we've been reading through the book of Psalms, and, and uh, I, I just read Psalm 13 last week. And in Psalm 13, David says something. It's very interesting. David goes through and, and he lays out this situation where he just... He feels all these things, like his feelings are saying things like, God, why have you forsaken me? God, why is this bad stuff happening to me? Why does it seem like the bad people are winning right now, God? Okay. And he says all those things. And then he gets to verse 5, and in verse 5 he says this phrase, but I trust in your steadfast love. So like his feelings are chasing him down this direction, but then when he came back to it, he step back and said, wait a second, I know this is true about God. So those feelings are true. He For him. Is, yes. Yeah. He is being chased. He is facing death. He, it is true at that moment that those around him are, seem to have everything going well, and he isn't. Those things are true. But what you're saying is there's a greater truth that overwhelms those things, and so then you experience joy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Gary asked a good question. Um, it was, so when we say that we don't have to fear death, is that speaking of physical death or spiritual death? <laughs> that is what you want to good, Great question, Gary. <laughs> that is a good question. And, and listen, while, while we think about an answer, we would really appreciate questions. It makes our job a whole lot easier. Yeah, so yeah. what's your, what's your thought on that? Well, honestly, I, I actually think both. That's what, that's what I was going like, to say. When, when mm -hmm. I look at that, or I, I think about that concept I don't have to fear spiritual death. I have eternal life. I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. And, mm -hmm. and I, I know that that's the case. But with that concept also being true, I don't have to fear my physical death either. Right. The, the, the thing that is most fear-driven about physical death is the lack of the unknown and what's going to happen afterwards and, and what's going to take place. But... I know what's going to happen. And I'll say this. That doesn't mean – that doesn't give us um, permission or a call to rush into something foolishly. Yeah. Okay? This, this, yeah. this doesn't mean, you know, drive 100 miles an hour and you don't have to fear death. I mean, God calls us to live in a wise way too. Yeah. That's foolish. Yeah. So – but we don't have to fear it the way that we did before we were in Christ. Right. When we – if we're separated, if our sin – is still separating us from the eternal life that is available to us, 
we have every reason to fear death. Right. Physical and spiritual. So, but I think, um, yeah, I mean, certainly I don't, my, the, the human flesh part of me doesn't want to die. Right. I mean, I'm going to fight against death, but I don't have to fear it. Right. Yeah. So that, that would, that'd be my thought. Any other questions? I saw another question up there. Maybe you guys can help us out with, with what those were, but, but keep going, Brock. What was, what else was on your mind? Well, the other thing that really popped into my mind as you were speaking is, uh, was your second point about, we need to be in the word. Hmm. Like, the 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 word of god should point us back to loving god and and that concept of being in the word and and one of the things i'd like to actually challenge people to do right now for us and for one another because i i think this is just an awesome thing i have a group of three other guys that on a daily basis after i read the word of god i send a group text to them and in that group text i share uh, just a short section from the scripture and maybe what I learned from it that mm, day. Okay. And then they do the exact same thing each day for me. And it's so awesome to be able to read what different people are learning from the word of God, what they're getting from it. And so right now, I think it'd be awesome if, if you guys could, if you've read something over the last week that you would say, man, this really jumped out at me. I know we've been encouraging people to be in the book of Psalms. Maybe there was a verse in the book of Psalms that you just real quick want to want to reference it for everybody else to see. Uh, as you're thinking about it, I, I actually read Psalm 23 this morning. Love it. And uh, Love it. Psalm 23 is a very familiar uh, section, but there was a, a section in it that just stood out to me that I've read, memorized, said a hundred times, but something about the second half of Psalm 23, 1, where he says, the Lord is my shepherd, and then the little phrase, I shall not want. Hmm. And something about that this morning, I don't, know, I don't know what it was this morning that I just thought, man, since I know that God is my shepherd, the idea that there's nothing that makes me afraid of what I'm going to want, like... I rest in the fact that God's my shepherd. And that's, there's joy there. Yeah. So, so what's happening is the word of God is where you're finding these truths that, that overwhelm the true things that we may be experiencing. Yeah. But they're heavier, right? right. That steadfast love that, that we don't have to want. He'll take care of us. He is our good shepherd. These things are heavier than the everyday ones. So what I'm hearing you connect, I mean, it's, it's the Lord's word. Yeah. God's word now is what, what fuels that joy that is inexpressible. Yeah. Chris, and Chris Kelly Garnett just said the valley is where you learn the most from God. Hmm. Learn the yeah, so we've gotten some help here from Pastor Billy. Thank you. He said, um, who was it? Kurt and Kelly Garnett. Kurt and Kelly it's in the valley, and there's now we're in your passage, yeah. Psalm 23. Yeah. You know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And those that is the place where we learn the most. Why is that? What do you think? I think it, I think it drives us to remember those things that we know are true about God. Hmm. I think it pushes us away from our uh, kind of our natural inclination to do everything on our own and rely on self. And when, in that valley, typically the things... That bring that make us happy, yeah. are taken away. Now, there's yeah. nothing wrong with happy. Okay, yeah. you can be happy on your birthday, or or you know that's okay. There's nothing necessarily wrong with happy, but if we are totally living on the happy details of our life, we're robbing ourselves with, of joy. You know, it's like the child that you indulge with candy all the time. Okay, yeah. there. That's that'd be a horrible thing to do to a child, right? Yeah. So if we in, if we are only indulging ourselves on the things that make us happy, when they're stripped away, all we have are the things that bring us joy. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. Other questions? Anybody? I saw um, Sheila. I think mentioned that the Bible app is a great way to kind of continue to share those things with other people. And I know a lot of people that that have that. I see Denise's story. Denise, I remember that pretty well. Um, Denise was facing physical death. Yeah. That's when she put her trust in Jesus. And, and that was, a, that was a, one of the highlights of the last 11 years, Denise. Um, so what else we got? So, Brock, did you have any thoughts for our, for our discussion today? Or we, I think those, we're going to wrap it up yeah, here that, a little bit. Those are the ones that stuck out to me yeah, the most. Yeah. I guess the, the overwhelming thing that, that, I mean, you might think we say this all the time. But if you're not in God's word on your own... You, you're not going to have joy. Right. 
I mean, you're, you're robbing yourself of joy. And, and it just um, it breaks my heart, the people that don't do that. And I understand the challenge of it. I'm sure you yeah. do too. Yeah. You know, it's easy for all of us to drift away from the Lord. But I just want to encourage you um, to, to today, pick up the Bible. Where were you at? What, what, give them a psalm. I, I was in Psalm 23 today. That's a great place to go. Yeah. Go to Psalm 23. And, and just allow the Lord to encourage your heart with that truth. Oh, Psalm 139. Classic. Man, yeah, that's, that's a great, great one. Yes. Second only to Psalm 23. What do you think? Yeah, I, I can see it. Yep. <laughs> well, Brock, why don't you close us out in prayer? And, and this, this is really closing up our time as a church this morning. And before, before Brock prays, I just want to remind you that we'll be back here on Wednesday night. Brock will be with us again, Lord yep. willing. And um, we're going to talk about the normal Christian life. But, Brock, why don't you pray that, that the Lord just really brings these truths home for us today? All right, let's pray. God, we thank you that we have the ability to spend time having community around your word, that we have the freedom to own a copy of your word and to be able to read it on our own. God, I pray that we'll be growing in our relationship with you. I pray that we will be in your word daily meditating on it and just growing to know you more and more and as we rest and rely on those truths that are true about you i pray that you'll give us peace and joy as we know that you will god keep us safe allow us to reach out and impact our world and uh god may we be the body of believers that you've called us to be in jesus name amen amen